There are two rules that were ingrained upon me early in my career, which honestly, I didn't understand the significance of at the time. But now, as I've seen the consequences of not following those rules, I understand perfectly. They can literally be the difference between a company surviving and going under. Not knowing these rules are the two most common and dangerous mistakes I've seen business owners make when it comes to financials. What are they? Stay tuned to find out. Running a service business can be hard. It is not unusual for business owners in industries like contracting, home repair, auto repair, business-to-business services like janitorial, IT and accounting, and many others to feel overwhelmed by all the priorities facing them at any given time. Between addressing the needs of the customers, managing the employees, figuring out the financials, and getting processes in place, feeling like you're making significant progress on your business journey can be difficult. Welcome to Service Industry Success, hosted by Brian Harding. Each week, Brian will look at real-world strategies for building the business you are dreaming of, while also sharing tactics to get through some of the most frustrating parts of business ownership with a lot more ease. Let's get started. So if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that I had a job when I was in my early 30s as the general manager, a branch manager of a, a large service company for a nationwide company. I had uh, 63 employees back at that time in 2006 or so. We were we were doing about $8 million a year in revenue. It's a pretty good-sized branch. And one of the things that I got to do as a general manager and branch manager was have a weekly call with the vice president with the rest of the people in my region, which was largely the, the western side of the United States. And on these week calls, uh, this is before Zooms. So these were just audio. You'd call into a, a group um call number it was kind of a kind of a, a zoom without videos basically what it was anyhow uh this is a weekly call I had to happen every friday and we went over financials and we had to forecast the current month's performance and after you know the eighth or so we had to analyze and explain last month's performance so each week we were talking about the current month and then one week a month on the friday closest to and after the eighth of the month we would declare how last month went and then we go back to forecasting the current month again. So we were we were always either we were always forecasting, except for the one week after the the month closed. We talked about how we how we fi- finished up the last month. We'd close out that month, and we we'd go back to to forecasting again. And again, these were with a, a number of GMs, uh, general managers in the region. Um, you know, there's probably 15 or so people on each call. And as I mentioned before, I was 33, and I was by far the youngest GM in the country for this company. And uh, to be completely honest, I was in way over my head sometimes. There's no question about that. And I had to learn a lot. And I had to learn a lot really fast. And one of the areas I struggled with was financials. I didn't have it prior to this job. I didn't have extensive history in finance. I mean, I, I had peripheral experience. I was the assistant general manager before I was a general manager. So I, I had some you know involvement, but not to the degree I needed as the branch manager. And the vice president who ran these calls wasn't particularly gentle or interested in excuses or reasons for non-performance. He was very much a prickly, just the facts man kind of guy. And he didn't hire me. He kind of inherited me uh, when he when he took on the role he did. So it was kind of clear that he wasn't really a fan of mine, to be honest. And his style was, uh, again, very kind of prickly and direct. And he didn't have a lot of um, understanding if things didn't go to plan, meaning we didn't hit budget. He didn't he didn't really entertain 
reasons. You just, you just, the expectation was you performed or else you just, somebody else would. That's kind of how he approached things. So if a branch did not perform well for a month or was forecasting to uh, perform poorly this month or had a result good or bad that was well off the forecast, I'll get into that more. What I mean by that, I'll get more in that in a minute here. But if those one of those three things happened, the GM on the call for whatever branch would just not have a very pleasant call. The VP had no problem just letting someone have it on the call, right in front of their peer. Like he just he just didn't have any care about that. Uh, so luckily, this is before Zoom was a thing, so you didn't have to watch it. But it was still pretty unpleasant, uh, both when you were the GM getting your butt handed to you, and also when you were witnessing somebody else getting it, which. One of those two things happened every single week. There was not a single week I can recall where somebody wasn't on the receiving end of a of a butt chewing because they missed performance wise. So financial performance was first and the first and foremost goal. It was actually it was the only goal. It was the only measuring stick that really mattered, which honestly is part of why I decided to go out on my own with with some partners and start start something on our own. That that financial result going to plan, which was, you know, again, uh, hitting our budgeted numbers. That wasn't, that wasn't, um, exciting for me. It wasn't, it wasn't what life was about for me. Again, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy performing well. And it doesn't mean I don't want to set goals and achieve them, but this kind of money is all that matters kind of thing in this, in the corporate environment. Just, that's just, it's just not where I wanted to be in life, but that's not really what I'm going to talk about today. What I am going to talk about is it was critical for the GM to be able to know how well a branch did last month pretty early into the next month. So for example, if it's May 8th, I would have to know to the penny how we performed in April. And I would have to know plus or minus a reasonable amount how May was looking so far. So on May 8th, I would have to know definitively how April was, how we finished, month completely closed out, all counts reconciled, everything done. And I would have to have a pretty good handle on how May was going so far. And if I had a poor April and or was pacing to have a poor May, in my example, I would have to have a plan in place to get back on track. Or if the year so far was not on pace, and let's say I had a pretty decent April and May was going pretty well, but I'd had a a crummy first quarter and we were well off the pace for the year, I better have a plan for overcoming that as well. So either I was on pace to hit the the numbers for the month I was in, and and so far year to date, I had hit the numbers for the plan, or I had to have a a plan in place to overcome that. Um, I remember one time a new GM, I think think they were in the Bay Area of California, a few weeks into his tenure as a branch manager, when asked a question about the current month's financials, he said something like, I'm not sure I'll have to ask the accounting manager. Now, each one of us as a branch manager had an accounting manager. And so he said, I'm not really sure. I'll have, to, I'll have to ask the accounting manager and I'll, basically I'll get back to you. And the VP responded by saying, if the branch accounting manager is in charge of the financials, why don't I just promote her to be the GM? What do I need you for? The point he was illustrating here was, um, and he was absolutely consistent with this, the overall financial performance of the branch was the sole responsibility of the GM, period. There was no such thing as delegating I'm not really sure. I'll get back to you on that. As this guy tried in this case, I'll ask the accounting manager. Now we all leaned heavily on our accounting managers to, we didn't actually do the data entry. We didn't actually 
print the reports in some cases. Like we, we relied heavily on these people, but ultimately responsibility was ours. And there was no ambiguity about that whatsoever. It's our branch our performance, uh, financial performance is our responsibility, period, end of story. So looking back, I would say the VP would get more angry when a branch performed much differently, good or bad, than forecasted. That was worse than having a poor month that which had been accurately forecasted. So for example, if a branch had forecasted to only bring in, let's say, 3% bottom line profit, but actually when the month closed brought in 12% bottom line profit, like they, they did tremendously better than they forecasted, the VP would be more angry about that than he would a branch manager who had accurately forecasted losing money, which is one of the worst things you could do, obviously. If you're a branch losing money, like you're in a fight for your job all the time in that in that case, in that company at that time. But the one thing you could do worse than that was to inaccurately know what was happening with your branch and your financial performance. So if you forecast it a certain way up until the last minute, and then all of a sudden things turn out wildly different, even if it was better, that was worse. Now, that's not the same thing as saying you start out the month saying, hey, we're going to hit 3%, and then the second week, hey, I think we might hit 6%, the third week, I think we might hit 12%, and then the fourth week, I think we're going to hit 15%, and we actually do hit 15%, that was fine. But if throughout the month you constantly said consistently, we're going to hit 3% bottom line, and then it came in at 13%, you were going to get you were going to get it. You were not allowed to have that that you were not allowed to be that out of touch with reality. The next thing that would have been unthinkable is to have ever said, "Sorry, we didn't get last month closed out on time, so we need another couple of days to figure out how we did." The month closed on the on the um 5th or 6th or it was an it was pretty early on. It might have been the 8th. I don't I don't remember now. It's been it's been many many years. But that's just the way it was. It closed on that day, period. It did not matter what happened. Uh, they basically, We basically had just short of a week to get everything figured out. Accounts reconciled, jobs, revenue, and expenses uh, all properly accrued. Now, keep in mind, this is a very large company, so we brought accrual-based accounting. So for halfway through some jobs, we had to accrue some for the last month and some for the next month. And this, There was some work involved here. And if we had to work a Sunday or a holiday or something in order to get the prior month closed out by the deadline... That's just the way it was. Accounting managers and sometimes even GMs would literally schedule vacations to make sure they'd be working that first few days of the month. There was no reasons or excuses for not having the month closed out on time. Zero. We would have to send the email on, again, around the 8th or whatever it was, with a detailed explanation of how the prior month went, both good and bad. And on the following weekly phone call, we all called in, the details would be gone over verbally with the rest of the regions and the GMs and, and the vice president and the, and the his staff. You know, he had a controller on the call and, and a sales manager on the call and an operations manager. I mean, you know, there was 20, 25 people on this call sometimes. And there was no deviations from this routine. None. So this is the process I took with me as a business owner. When we started our own company, this is just how we did things. Understanding the P&L, forecasting, closing out the month on time were just the way I did things. The only difference was as a business owner, I did not require or ask people to schedule vacations around the first of the month. And there were, and I did not require or ask people to work weekends or holidays to make sure we hit the, the deadline exactly. My deadline was the 8th. If there was a holiday or, or a weekend or something like that, I would bump it a day or two. Um, 
But we also, you know, it was, so maybe we'd move it to the ninth or 10th. But we also did not have a lackadaisical approach to closing out the month either. We absolutely had deadlines we stuck to and treated this very seriously. And again, to be honest, I just didn't know any better. It never occurred to me that people would handle financials any other way. I just thought this is how you did it in business. So I just didn't know any different than this very regimented way. So imagine my shock when I start working with other business owners and I quickly learned that many had entirely delegated the responsibility and ownership of their company's financials, uh, the health or understanding to an outside entity like a bookkeeper or, or a CPA. And many had, had not really personally reviewed their own financials, their own profit and loss statement in months. I mean, this was absolutely horrifying to me. First, this is just, uh, of course, it just went against everything I'd ever been taught. Again, I just didn't know any better, so I'm not saying that that's, that's the only way to do it. What I'm saying is just it was just shocking to me. It was jarring to, to find out people would go months without reading their own financials and maybe had delegated the responsibility entirely. Again, part of the reason I started my own company is because I hated that corporate revenue and profit above all else, including people approach. I didn't like that. That said, I kind of liken maintaining a company's financial health to way, uh, the, the same way I used to learn first aid. There was the ABCs, airway, breathing, circulation, right? If you stop the bleeding of a patient, but they can't breathe, they still die. You have to help the patient in the correct order to increase their chances of survival. That's just the way it is. And that's kind of how I approach business. Like, there's some things we want to have, but, but you have to have financial stability and performance where nothing else matters. Like, again, I don't want it to be where all I care about is money and profit and revenue is all that matters and people don't matter. I don't want that. On the other hand, if you're losing money every month, nothing else matters. So there has to be some, for me, there has to be some balance in there and accepting reality on reality's terms, which is if the company is not performing financially, none of the altruistic things we want are ever going to happen. So having uh, this deadline for me now in hindsight helped to set the tone for my own accounting department, my own leadership team, that yes, we want to have a great culture. Of course, we want to provide a world-class experience for our customers. And absolutely none of that matters if we go out of business because we can't pay our bills. It's just a fact of life. If you focus your energy on culture or sales or imp implementing and improving processes, but fail to analyze and assess financial performance in a timely manner, as well as put remedies in place to financial problems when they exist, we might create a company that is a world-class sales machine that still goes out of business. And if we delegate assessing, analyzing, you know, taking on the responsibility of, of knowing the financial performance as well as fixing the financial problems, we're literally putting the entire organization's health in someone else's hands. Now, here's one example of how I've seen that pl this play out. One of my very first clients, like my first handful of clients, was very excited and eager to get started working together. He had around 10 employees been in business for about five years. He'd done pretty well so far, but he'd hit a bit of a wall regarding growth. Very typical of the kinds of people uh, reaching out for me uh, to me for help. Just like normal, our first couple of calls were just me getting acquainted with like how he operated and, and things that were going well and things that he was struggling with. Like This is very common stuff for the first couple of calls. It's just us getting to know each other, him learning my style, me learning how things are going for him. And when I asked him how things were going financially, his response was something like, it's going pretty well. Could always be better, right? 
but I don't think that's something we need to focus on. I think I need more help with getting my team on board and getting processes in place so I can have some more free time. Again, very common response. So all that made perfect sense to me. And we set out to solve his problems with people and processes. And a few months in, he mentioned that he was a little nervous about his project managers maintaining profitability on some jobs. Like one of the reasons he was concerned about handing over decision-making to his uh, project managers because he just wasn't confident they could hit the same kind of profitability that he had been able to hit when he ran things or, you know, or, or is hitting things as he is running things. A little bit of both of those apply. Anyhow, he just didn't think things were going as well financially as they had before as he was going through this process of beginning to turn over some responsibility to project managers. So, of course, I asked him, well, what's the P&L say? I mean, how else could we we think that things aren't going as well financially as they had before? We would have to be judging it off the P&L, right? And his response was something like, well, I haven't actually seen a P&L in a few months. And, in fact... I've been trying to get my financials from my bookkeeper for a few months or CPA or bookkeeper, whatever it was for, for a few months, but haven't been really successful. They, you know, they've been kind of dodging me a little bit and I'm not really sure what's going on. And I was absolutely stunned. It didn't even occur to me to ask before this how he was assessing his company's financial health when he told me that things were going pretty well. So within a few weeks of focusing on his P&L, like once we learned this, like everything else stopped. Like we have to understand what our financial performance is. Like I said earlier, we could be really good at all these other things. If we can't pay the bills, nothing else matters. So literally all conversations about anything else stopped and we really began, we just started focusing on the financials. And so we spent a few weeks getting that cleaned up and we learned he had been in very bad financial shape for about nine months, nine months. And within another few weeks, he told me that he could no longer afford me to help him. And he was making some other very dramatic cuts. So suffice to say, I learned as a, a new, you know, business coach, uh, consultant, uh, helping folks, I learned a very important lesson here. You know, I began asking clients who's in charge of their P&L and how, how often they're assessing that with their financial performance. I started asking much different questions as I learned this. I, again, I just, shame on me. I just, I just, I just thought this is how everybody did it. And so as I begin taking on more clients, I've learned that business owners have have largely adopted the strategy of kind of outsourcing their P&L responsibility. I've also learned from talking to bookkeepers I know and work with and from providing my, my business owner clients some very specific questions to ask their bookkeepers, it's become quite clear that in many cases, the business owner assumes the bookkeeper or CPA is in charge of monitoring financial performance and the bookkeeper or CPA assumes they're just doing the data entry and getting the taxes taken care of and getting things coded correctly. But the business owner is ultimately responsible for making sure the company is financially healthy. So ultimately, in a number of situations, literally nobody is watching the P&L. Literally months would go by without a single person really looking at the financial performance because everybody assumes somebody else is doing it. Again, I'm not a guy who believes in money above all else. That said... If the company can't pay the bills, the company will go under, just like our ABCs of first aid. If the company has great processes but is losing money, the company still dies. So I began looking back at my tutelage as that young GM, not really understanding why it was so important and such an imperative that I, as the branch manager, have full understanding and responsibility for the financial performance, and it all became immediately clear. Because literally nothing else matters if a company is not profitable. Of course, assess, assessing and improving 
the financial performance cannot be delegated. Of course, that stuff can't be delegated. And if we do not have a deadline to assess our performance for a given month, it will be put off until someone, quote unquote, has time to get to it, which could be months later or longer. (laughs) Nobody likes reconciling bank accounts. Few people like getting into their financials. So if we just do these things when we, quote unquote, have time, there's no urgency. And if we do have, if we do actually have a financial problem, it could be weeks or months until we even realize that. The reason the eighth was the rule I liked because already more than in, in almost all cases, already more than 25% of the next month has passed, but even by that time. So at best, even with that short time frame, that's only eight, seven days, you know, basically to, to get things reconciled and closed out so I could review them. At best, even with that short short time frame, I could only impact 75% the next month. So does this mean you can't hire a bookkeeper and delegate things like that entry? Of course not. But there does need to be a clear understanding of who is ultimately responsible for making sure the P&L for a given month is analyzed. I don't know that bookkeepers or CPAs would be eager to take on that responsibility, honestly. It seems weird to me that they would agree to take on that burden and liability and risk. I can see them saying that they would be happy to run the report and send it to the business owner, but I can't imagine them saying, I'm going to take on complete responsibility for making sure your company is profitable to the degree you think it should be or somebody thinks it should be, and I'll let you know if there's anything to worry about. That seems really unlikely to me. In any case, even if you are confident that's your situation, I would still strongly recommend you have that conversation to make 100% sure you and your bookkeeper or CPA have the same understanding about who has ultimate responsibility. I can only tell you from my experience of people I've worked with, as I've learned to ask them these questions, the vast majority of the time, there is not clarity on whose responsibility this is. The vast majority of the time, the, the business owner is assuming somebody else is doing something to monitor their performance financially that they just are not. Now, does that mean that's been the case every single time? No. There's been some times where I have surprisingly seen where there's some kind of an arrangement where the business owner is notified by the CPA or bookkeeper, hey, things aren't going well. But those have only generally happened from what I've seen when they have kind of a standing appointment on around the 10th of the month or whatever, where they both go over the financials. I have not yet seen a case where there's no arrangement to go over the financials together and the bookkeeper or CPA proactively and quickly notifies the business owner, hey, you get a problem. Usually that comes after weeks or months of a problem uh, being in place. So again, this isn't to say it's not possible. It's not to say that you can't have some kind of situation I've not seen before. Of course you can. I'm just saying pretty commonly from what I've seen, people have misunderstood the responsibility and who has it. The other thing is I really strongly believe there needs to be a clear deadline for assessing a given month's performance. Now, you may not, you may not like the, the time I pick, the eighth may not work for you. You don't have to be as regimented as I as I was. I get that. It's your business. You can run it however you want. I totally understand that. Although as a business owner, I never um I never required employees to work weekends and holidays to meet that deadline. Like I said, we would just extend it a day or two. Sometimes it was the tenth, but never beyond the tenth. My deadline was the eighth. If some, you know, fourth of July weekend came, then we would extend it for a couple of days. It was just never necessary to have people have to work weekends and holidays. We just, we just extended for a couple of days. That's fine. One one month a year, tw- two months a year, not the end of the world. 
But I do believe there has to be a reasonable deadline. Without deadlines, most people will just continue to put it off. And then there's going to be this mountain of data to look like when the reconciliation, all these things actually does happen. And it just becomes overwhelming and begin to default into judging our financial performance based upon how much money we have in our checking account each month. Plus, even if you're able to force yourself to look at the P&L and really get an accurate picture of how things are going, so much time has passed that with that poor performance ongoing before any kind of meaningful adjustments can be made. That's a, in, in some, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're performing at a $10,000 per month bottom line, you know, uh, lesser number than you would like, and you don't assess that for four months, that's $40,000. And you were talking huge numbers when these, when there's problems in place that are not assessed quickly and remedied quickly, these numbers can stack up pretty, pretty fast. So while I was adamant that we'd not be more than 25% or so in a given month before we knew exactly how we performed the previous month, you might pick a different number. You might say, hey, I'm fine doing it on the, on the 15th of the month. If I'm halfway through the next month, I'm cool with that. Fine. That would be too long for me. But it's, this is more about what you will stick with and do than, than what I think. It's really just important to, to pick a deadline you absolutely stick with and go for it. For me, there's just too much at stake to treat this in a nonchalant manner. So uh, real quick, let me tell you about uh, something I'm really excited to announce. I mentioned it last week. I've, I've finished developing these three new mini courses. Each one focuses on one primary subject, either people, almost always employees, or processes, or profitability, like we're talking about stuff right now with the financials that would that would be in the profitability bucket. So if you're tired or struggling to get through to your employees, or you know you need to get some processes and procedures started or dialed in, or you want to understand your financials much better than you do today, go to serviceindustrysuccess.com and schedule a no-stress call with me to see if one of these courses is right for you. Each one is priced at less than $500, and each course, each mini course, includes several video modules you can watch as many times as you want, and each one also includes two Zoom calls with me. So schedule your no-stress call. Again, I'm not a high-pressure sales guy. Schedule your no-stress call at serviceindustrysuccess.com today. So having balance and picking a strategy we will stick with are the name of the game here. You don't have to be as regimented as the corporation I worked for. And you don't have to be as regimented as I am. But you can't be as loosey-goosey as the guy who didn't see his own P&L for nine months either. That, that is not sustainable. At some point, something is going to go wrong. It's just the way it is. The, the likelihood that things are going to go on in perpetuity, never having a big problem, like it's just not reality. So for me, not having a strategy I would consistently stick to when it comes to closing a month and reviewing financial performance would be absolutely terrifying. I would absolutely feel like I was flying blind. And that's just too much risk for me with way too little control. And I would not be willing to delegate overseeing the financial health of my company to anyone, even a, a much trusted CPA or bookkeeper. Now, I would delegate the data entry and the, and the coding and all that kind of stuff and make sure the taxes are right. Of course, I'll delegate all that stuff. But at least for me, I would even if I had very little understanding of financials, I would at least need to jump on a call with them once a month and go through how did we perform together. That would be the minimum I would do if even if I had a really low understanding of financials, I still got to learn it. I still have to know what the red flags are to look out for. You know, like if, if you have a family member who, who suddenly has an illness or has a major accident, 
and you're talking to the doctor, at first they're talking things you don't understand. Well, within a few hours or a couple of days, you start getting fluent in things you never thought you would know about before. You start learning medical terminology and what these different things mean because it's so important. It's the same way with this. You may not have that understanding when you start out, but so much is on the line here. We have to get fluent in this, at least to the degree we can make good decisions. So for me, not having that ability would just be, that's just too much for me. There's too much at stake. I would not trust anyone to have that much control over my future and the stability of my employees' uh, livelihoods. And I can't, again, I just cannot imagine there's CPAs and bookkeepers out there who are literally agreeing to take on the burden, liability, and risk of a uh, a client's company's financial performance. I just can't imagine that they would, they would do that. I go, what's in it for them to do that? Like the, the 300 bucks a month they're making ain't worth it. I, I just, but again, I, I don't know your situation. You might have it. Um, it just seems really peculiar to me that, that a CPA or a bookkeeper would say, don't worry, I got this. You don't need to worry about a thing. I'll let you know if things going, going wrong. And it even seems more peculiar to me that a business owner would say, that sounds like a good arrangement to me. That that would just be too scary for me. So even if you believe this is the case for you, though, I would strongly suggest you have that conversation so everyone is crystal clear on who has what responsibility and what time frame everyone agrees assessments and reviews of financial performance will take place. I've also seen where people say, you know, oh, yeah, the bookkeeper's got it. Well, how often do they take a look at it? Don't know. Is it even once a month? Don't know. Is it once a quarter? Don't know. If it is once a month, what day do they think they do it? Or what day do you think they do it? Don't know. So again, these are the kinds of things that just for me would be way too too much risk and too much out of control. So uh, don't forget to buy new mini courses. Each one's priced less than 500 bucks. Like, I mean, this is a great chance for, for a very low uh, cost uh, point to see if you like my style, if you like my vibe, if you like my approach. They have several videos you can watch as many times as you want. And each one includes two Zoom calls with me. So schedule your, your no-stress call at serviceindustrysuccess.com today. And hey, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Uh, I know I know some of you guys uh, get it here and there on Facebook or wherever, but subscribe. That way it pops up for you right away. It's free every week. You get it. Um, no hassle. Just hit that subscribe button. Also, if you haven't had a chance yet, please give us at least a, a rating. You know, Give us a five-star rating. You know, yes, your customers do the same thing. I'd really appreciate you helping me out like that. And if you have time, give us a review. That'd be awesome also. And of course, share this podcast with a friend or colleague who's a business owner in the service industry. That's what we're here for is to help other folks out. And that's it for this week. And I'll see you all next week.